I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about being born of God again. And I know we've heard a lot about that and being a new creation in Christ and what that entails. It's just marvelous for me. And of course, I, I love this time of year anyway, you know that. I've, I love this time of the year. I'm always, I've always, since a child, since I was a child, looked forward to uh, December. And when I was a child, it seemed like December came like every four, five, six years or something. You know, and, and now it's like it, it's just a few months and then it's December again. <clears throat> and I think it's because uh, when you get older, you don't have a whole lot more time. Things just seem to speed up. Let's look at uh, being born of God because, uh, as I've said to you, I believe that most of us don't really get a hold of what it means to be born of God. And we talk about it, but it's almost as though when you talk about it, when you hear someone rather talking about it, it's almost as though it's an intellectual uh, understanding rather than a spiritual one. It's an uh, see, uh, most people seem to have an intellectual understanding of what it means to be a child of God rather than a deep spiritual one. And uh, I, I say that because a number of years ago, perhaps decades ago, many, many decades ago, I read a story in a time when I was preparing for a message years and years ago. I was probably in my 20s. And uh, the author that I was... Uh, studying, looking at, um, said that whenever you talk to a, or should you ever, talk to someone who has never seen, after a little bit of a conversation, you realize they haven't seen what they're talking about. And it's that way, I think, with many of us, because Paul talks about uh, us having um, uh, a, con a conversation, a verbiage of knowing God, we have the verbiage down, but in deeds and actions, we deny him, you know, because that means that we don't really, really know what God has really done for us. It's just an intellectual understanding. So let's look at, at this beyond the intellectual understanding. There are things I know in my heart, I know that I know that I know that I know, and I don't have articulation for it. I don't have the words for it yet, but I have the truth of it in my heart. Being born again means something so much different than what I've always understood as being saved. Yes, I knew I was saved. I knew I was God's child, but it was almost like I was sort of God's child. Yeah, I'm, I'm a child of God, but I don't really know what that's all about yet. So I would like for us to really do a deep dive into the scriptures this morning. First Peter chapter one, Peter eulogizes God. It's not like, you know, we normally use the terminology. Uh, let's give a eulogy when someone has passed on and we, we say good things about them. Well, you don't have to wait. God's not going to pass on, right? So you need to learn how to eulogize God. And we, let's look at how Paul eulogizes him. <clears throat> I'm sorry, Peter. Paul does eulogize him in, in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so th that is a eulogy. He's, he's lauding God, talking about, wow, God, how great you are, God. And so Peter does the same thing. Let's, let's read verse 3. 
blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, wow, you know, uh, blessed be. You know, let's bestow the, this amazing honor upon God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So, we, so he, he shows us this relationship between us, God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, wow. If you're in a good natural family, maybe some of you said, no, nah, my natural family was bad. Well, wow, you, you get a new one, a permanent one, one with, where God is your own dad and Jesus is your elder brother. You get the best family ever. So you don't have to mope around, oh, my family, I don't have a family like others. No, you got a better family than any natural family. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now look what he says. Let's read it again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us, has engendered us, has brought us forth again to a living hope, a hope that will never die. It's an eternal hope. That is not a, an eternal wish, but an eternal expectation and possession. That's big. Listen, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our elder brother, from the dead. No, he says, he has, God has blessed us, and it is in accordance or because of his abundant mercy. So what God has done, God has given us a superabounding of mercy. It's not just enough mercy to get you through, but it's a zillion times more than you need. That's the mercy. And he begot us, he engendered us, he brought us forth to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, what did he bring us to? To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, not for somebody else. I've, I've, we've heard these testimonies. So-and-so said he went to heaven and he saw mansions and, uh, you know, maybe it was bad pizza because, because the scriptures do not verify. He saw empty mansions. Can you imagine, you know, that heaven is like an abandoned town? Empty mansions, absolutely ridiculous. Not so. It's not so. It's not in accord with the scriptures. Now listen to what the scripture says. God saved you. God brought you forth. God, being your proper dad, your own dad, brought you to, uh, forth to a living hope, brought you into existence by the resurrection of Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, that is imperishable, cannot perish. Empty mansions are, are like a perishing dream. It's not true. And, un, and undefiled, that is not corrupted, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven, not for somebody else, but for you. And he says, who are kept by the power of God. You are kept by the power of God. You are not kept by yourself. You are kept by the power of God. God saved you. God keeps you. God has an inheritance for you, and you are God's own inheritance. Wow. Wow. 
That's what born again means. That God, God saved you. God keeps you because you are his inheritance. God lives in you forever and ever, forever and ever. So God's going to get you to the throne. I remember when he told me that, I'm going to get you to the throne. I grew up in a Pentecostal home. We did. Pentecostal home, hey, great teaching. I have nothing wrong with that, so don't think I'm bashing the Pentecostals and praising the Baptists. <laughs> I get on both sides when I need to. But I grew up, and so, but in the Pentecostal home, you could, you, you could go to hell almost any minute. I mean, you, you, we were walking on pins and needles, man. You know, you looked at Johnny wrong, well, you'll go to hell. And they would say things like, you'll bust hell wide open. And ooh, nobody wanted to bust hell wide open. And so we were afraid, you know, if you told a little story, you got some facts mixed up, you thought, did I lie? Oh, Jesus, I'll go to hell. And really, seriously, I, I, I live with a fear of going to hell. I thought, I'm going to, I know you, Don Lavelle, you're going to live all your life for Jesus, and then at the last minute, you're going to do something really dumb, and you're going to hell. And I couldn't shake it. I couldn't shake it. But here, Peter says, no, this inheritance is, is, um, incorruptible, imperishable. God gave you an imperishable inheritance. It cannot perish. It's undefiled, cannot be corrupted. It does not fade away and reserved in heaven for you. Has your name on it. And, and he says, and you are kept by the power of God. <laughs> you are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed. You are kept by the power of God through faith. Now, sometimes when we say through faith, we think, oh, that's, I have to exert energy. I don't find that faith is like exerting energy. It's not trying to pick up a 2,000-pound boulder. No, no. The faith is it's God's faith. It's the God kind of faith. Yes, it's God's kind of faith. And so this faith, um, it brings salvation, and he says this salvation, the, the what it really, 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 really means to be saved, you're going to find out at the last time, in the latter time. You're going to find out when you, if you should go to home now to be with Jesus, you'll say, wow, it's bigger, it's better than I was ever told. And if Jesus should come through, you're going to say, good, googly, wiggly, it's even better. Yeah, ready to be revealed in the last time. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Peter says, having been born again, now listen, having been born again, your first birth was perishable, but having been born again, not of corruptible seed. It's like Peter saying, uh, you are born now not of the seed that brought you forth naturally. It's not the same kind. That was a perishable seed. That's why we die, right? Somebody said, that's not why we die because of sin. Yeah, that's in the package. That's in the package. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God. You are brought forth by the, through the word of God, the word of God, the logos of God. Wow, that's big. You say, I've heard that and I know it. But do you know it? It will affect everything in your life. It will affect your attitude. It, it affects your direction. It affects your will, your willpower. It affects everything. You know, not loosey-goosey anymore. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, incorruptible through the word of God, which lives. Now, what is the word of God? Uh, what does it do? It lives and abides forever. 
So you have brought forth through eternal means, something eternal. It lives. It's alive. The, what brought you forth does not have a beginning. <laughs> it always was. It was the, it, that your, what brought you forth is the eternal now. Not the eternal when. <laughs> the eternal now brought you forth. This is amazing. I mean, somebody ought to shout for the Lord. I don't need it, but you need it. I was talking about the Pentecostal church, and I went, if I was preaching like that at the Pentecostal church, they'd have jumped up, and somebody would high-five somebody, and maybe did a little jig, you know? Yeah. yeah. Not because the preacher needed, because they just got the truth. Are you still with me? This, this is what your new birth did for you. This is what your new birth didn't, didn't do what this little Pentecostal kid named Don Lavelle I thought it did. Yeah, you could go to hell in a minute. And I remember praying to God as a young pastor over in the shopping center saying, God, I don't want to do anything crazy and go to hell. Oh, God. One day he stopped me and said, he said, I am going to get you to the throne. I went, wow. I heard his voice. I am going to get you to the throne. You will be standing before me at my throne. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, because it's not, it's not because of man's own efforts. You trying to be holy. No, you are holy. Thank you, Jesus. In John chapter 3, verse 3, and I do apologize for my people. I didn't send them all these verses. But John chapter 3, verse 3, uh, the scripture says, Jesus answered and said to him, speaking of Nicodemus, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So there are people, I, I take this to, uh, in several ways, there are people who can hear every word that you're saying, but they can't see what you're seeing. Whatever language you're speaking, they know what you just said, but they don't know what you meant. So you have to be born again. He says here, and in John 3, 5, he says, Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, speaking to Nicodemus, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You've got to be born of the Spirit, of water and the Spirit, or you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So listen, listen what he says here. So your strength is in the indwelling Christ. Your strength is in the indwelling Christ. Your strength is in the indwelling Christ. Let's look at 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. 1 John chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. Let's read verse 4. You are of God, little children. <laughs> we could just stop there, could we? If we wanted to stop there, we, should, we could stop there. You are of God, little children. You are of God, little children. And have overcome them. So they, even in the midst of the battle, because of your birthright, you have overcome. Because nothing can overcome the word of God nor the spirit of God. Nothing can defeat God. You are already a winner. So in the midst of your situation, as the preacher said, come on, somebody. You are of God, little children. And... While you are in the midst of your battle, when, 
while it looks like it might be uncertain, the outcome might be uncertain, the writer says, John says, you and have overcome them. Why, John? I'm fighting a the best I can. I'm biting and clawing. What do you mean, John? He says, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Wow, wow, wow. Can you imagine that? You're in the fight and you're just fighting and fighting and flailing and going on and just exerting. And, and, and the big brother says, hey, 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 stop doing all that. You've already whipped that guy. Uh, 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 who, who is Satan? I saw him like lightning fall from heaven. Stop all that. Just trust what I said to you. Wow. That's our life now. That's our life now. Somebody's still struggling. Well, I don't know. Well, you will never know if you keep saying, I don't know. See, this is not my opinion. I'm not up here as a, an opinion thrower. I'm not throwing opinions out. Oh, that's his opinion about the word. No, that is the word. Amen. Hallelujah. And then, and then amen. <laughs> and then he goes on. John goes on. Now, John's the one who leaned on the breast of Jesus. You, you've got to really get that in your knower. Get that in your spirit, man. He leaned on the breast of Jesus at the Last Supper. And uh, when Jesus was telling them, one of you is going to betray me, and all and, and 11 disciples are saying, you know, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Because they all had something in them that should have been out of them. And they're going, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? And John says, which one is it? No, no, they were saying, is it I? 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 He says, who is it? Who is it? See, that's, that's your testimony. Who is it, Lord? Who is it? Who is it? Not is it I, is it I. Who is it? Who is it? So this is what, what John says. This is the one he says. He says, here, great, you, are, you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He says, they are of the world. So Jesus has overcome the world. So these are of the world. He says, therefore, they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. He says, now, let, let me, he says, let's juxtapose this thing. You know, let's put this, let's lay this thing out. He says, we are of God. He reiterates what he said in verse 4. He says, you are of God, little children, and now he's telling them, we are of God. We came forth from God. He who knows God hears us. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. It goes on. Let's look at verse 7. Beloved, now as a result of being of God, he says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Now, so this is what he's saying, is that no one can truly love the way God loves unless they're born again. Some, so often we think that love is that warm, fuzzy feeling. But love perseveres. Love does not throw in the towel. I care about your soul that's why I'm here. Wow. He says, let us love one another. 
Because sometimes some of us are hard to love, aren't we? And the person who didn't say a word, you, you really are hard to love. Whoever you are. For lovers of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So when you really love in the God kind of way, that is for the benefit of the person or the object love, he says, no, okay, you're born of God. Because God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the kind of love. God's love. Sacrificial love. I'm not here because I just so need you. I'm here because I love you. God came because he loved us. And we were all a mess and God loved us still. You, look, you need to look in your, at yourself in the mirror and say, you know, it's not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. That's what we need to do. It's you. It's not what the people did to you, it's you. Because God has a capacity greater than anything or anyone on this earth. God has a capacity to love. Why? Because he loved me. I think I'm pretty good. You think you're pretty good, but you're a mess to somebody. And God, but God loves you. Yeah. You know, I, I told you all the story, right? I told you, let me tell you, let me digress real quickly. Some, some years ago, been many years ago, I was going around my house and, and I, I, there was this book called, I was what was the name of it? But it was this book about loving Difficult people, I think, yes. How to love difficult people. How to love difficult people. So I, I saw it in the den, and I looked at it, oh, how to love difficult people, and I put, put it back where it was. I had no issue with that stuff. So I, I, one day I would see it, for example, I would see it in the kitchen. How to love difficult people. I said, no problem. You know, and so I would, wherever I would go in the house, I would see that book. That book was in the bedroom. How to love difficult people. I looked at it, put it aside. I had no issue with loving difficult people. And so one day I went to the restroom to rest. And there that book was. And I said, what? Is she trying to say something? Why is this book showing up everywhere I go? even in the restroom. And I opened that book, and I started to thumb through it, you know, curiously. And I said, and I read a passage that said, everyone is someone's difficult personality. I said, wow, is that right? Everyone, and it's true. No matter how wonderful you think you are, somebody said, I can't stand them. But God loves that person, too. You may not, but God loves that person. And Jesus came to die for that person. Your most difficult personality is somebody Jesus died for. And so when you are born again, you start to, oh, I love like God loves. I love like God loves. Not selfishly, not what I can get out of the relationship, but what I can give into it. That's what born again is about. 
Wow. 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 Mm. Let's look at, at uh, Let's look at verse 8. I think I may have read it. But he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. He who does not love in the God kind of way, in the agape way, I love you for the benefit of giving to you, of the blessing of giving to you. I love you because I want you to be better, not because I want something from you. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. That we might live through him. Jesus came so that we would live through him. His life. You cannot give that person what that person needs without Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how, quote, unquote, nice you think you are, how wonderful you think you are. You need to be born again because only those who are born again can truly produce this. And you and I are born again. Sometimes our born again comes to us later in life, doesn't it? And you just wake up one day and you're different. Why? Because God's been working on you. Come on, somebody. In this is love, not that we loved God. In this is love. This is love, he says. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. So often, so often I hear things, people talk, talk about their love for God, and I'm sure I've done it as well. We talk about our love for God, our love for God. If you love God the way you say you love God, it's because God first loved you. Life is a God thing. Life is a God thing. You're not who you are. If you are wonderful, you're not wonderful on your, by yourself on your own. That means there's a work of God in your life. Wow, there's a work of God in your life. And if you don't think you need God, wow, we can't, I don't know who can help you. I don't need God. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Every one of us needs God. And if we have anything to offer, it's because God has offered his son first for us. Gave us, gave us Jesus, gave us Jesus, gave us Jesus. Jesus. Wow. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation has to do with offering, satisfying the justice of God, propitiation, mercy seat, the lid, the lid on the Ark of the Covenant where the blood was sprinkled. And God's saying, okay, that satisfies me. But that also that act, I think, must have with it, not just that satisfies me, Uh, the innocent dying for the guilty, not only that, the blood that was shed also removes our sin. It it doesn't just sprinkle a little bit, wash it a little bit, but removes our sin. Removes it. Removes it. So Christ's sacrifice in being born again, it's not just like, oh, we're born again, I'm born again. You know, no. Your birth 
was brought about by the death and the resurrection of the Son of God. That's a huge cost. I can imagine when Jesus was on that cross and the sun refused to shine. Refused to shine. I remember that singing, older saints of God singing that when I was a little boy. With the sun refusing to shine. It would send chills all through my body. The sun refusing to shine. Every day of my young life, I'd awaken that the sun was shining. He said, but on, when Jesus was on that cross, he said, the, the sun said, uh -uh. I refuse to shine. This is big stuff, our salvation. And it's not this temporary possibility, something that might happen or only occur if I work hard enough. You can't work hard enough to earn the blood of Christ the satisfying nature of that blood and the expiation of it, of, of that blood, the expiation power that is able to remove all of your sin, not some of your sin. That's why none of us should look at sin casually. Why? I've been born again. And now I live through him. I live through Christ. Greater is he who is within me than he who is in the world and then so Paul or rather John John says beloved if God so loved us we also ought to love one another if God so loved us we also ought to love one another he doesn't mean that you muster up strength or energy to love somebody but the love of God now abides in you. Just get out of this thing, this head. Just get out of your head. Stop judging things by what you see and what you hear and what you think you hear. What you want. You've been born again. Reject that old nature. You've been born again. Live by the new person. I must read this and then I will be done. 1 John 5. Let's look, at, let's look at verse 1. 1 John 5. Let's look at verses. Verse 1. Then we'll be done. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. You believe that Jesus is the Messiah, you're born of God. You can't believe that in the heart without being born again. And everyone who loves him who begot or love God the Father, also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. And listen what John says. This is the one who leaned on the breast of, of, of Jesus. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. You've got to get that in your knower. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. That is our faith that Jesus is who he says he is. 
I am convinced. You can't make me believe more than I believe. Jesus is who he says he is. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? You overcome it. The world has nothing to offer you. There's nothing in the world that I want. I mean the world system. I don't love the world system. It's hate, hateful. It doesn't matter who's in charge. They're going to make a mess. It doesn't matter what color you are or what nation you come from. If you're in the world, you're going to mess it up. It doesn't matter who you elect or diselect. I know that's not a word. But it doesn't matter. They can't do it all. There's only one person who has the right to rule. His name is Jesus Christ. We have been born again. Our eyes are open. We know the truth. And the truth has made us free. 1 John 3, 9, I'm going to go rapidly. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. And some people translate that, they can't keep on sinning. I, I don't agree with that. One day maybe y'all will, some of you great minds will be able to convince me. I don't think that's what it means at all. I believe that what John is saying is there's a place in every believer that is a sacred place, a sanctified place. It's in the heart, the new heart, not the old corrupt heart, the Jeremiah heart that's desperately wicked. And who can know it? That's the old heart. But the new heart is a place where Jesus dwells by his spirit. And that's a perfect place. And God is making my mind, my soul like that perfect place. Hallelujah. John 1, 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So when you show the love, when you, you have that, we used to call it, my, Mrs. Rutledge, my teacher said, it's called stick -tuitiveness. I made up a word, coined a word. So you're able to stay in there and hang tough. And this is what John is saying. This is what John is saying. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who, who loves is born of God and knows God. Everybody, not some of us. Hang tough in there. And let God change you and make you better. 1 John 5, 4, for whatever, listen, this is good, this is good stuff. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Wow. That if, if you were to look at the old prize fighters, Mike Tyson, and, and you wouldn't have wanted to go into the ring with a 22-year-old, 23-year-old Mike Tyson. You'd have to be, didn't matter how tall you were, he'd chop you down. Didn't matter how wide you are, he would narrow you. But this is what he says. That's why the world looks it's so formidable. But this is what, what John says. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. I read it before, I want to read it again. Now, the last scripture I read is 1 John 5, 18. It says, we know that whatever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him.
That's what God has saved us for. Wow. Let's walk it out. Let's walk it out. We're, we're, since we're the last day's church, let's walk it out. Let's walk it out, everybody. Let's walk it out online. Let's walk it out. Let's walk this thing out. We have been given the power of God in human vessels. The power of God lives in every one of us. Let's walk it out. Let's walk it out in the name of Jesus. Amen. Brother James.